Welcome to episode 28 of the Philosopher Science Podcast, the podcast about free, libre, and open source software for science. Today, Patrick and I are interviewing Leah Silen about the nonprofit organization NumFocus. Hi, Leah. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. How would you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'm the executive director of NumFocus. I've been with the organization since its beginning in 2012. And I was, at that time, the founding board members were looking for someone with nonprofit experience and background to help them launch an organization that would support open source scientific computing projects. And I was able to interview with several of the board members and was offered the position and looking back, um, made the very wise decision to um, accept the challenge. Great. Uh, what kind of other uh, nonprofit experience did you have before? I was involved with nonprofits on the uh, program management and um, public relations side, as well as working with um, education. Okay. So you didn't have the previous technical background? No, I do not have a scientific nor a background in technology. Um, this was this was all very new to me. What I did have were the skills that were needed and background in um, the nonprofit sector. So I was able to build up the organization and to be able to ensure um, it had everything it needed to support the um, these vital tools. I was very fortunate enough to um, be working from the very beginning with um, our founding board members who had, were very passionate about open source and scientific computing. So very quickly, I came to not only um, understand the community, but also share, share their passion for the work. Yeah, it's great to see people from outside of science contributing to, to such projects. Thank you. You're welcome. What are the goals and mission of the NumFocus organization? NumFocus' um, major goal and mission is to support open source scientific computing projects. We, um, we do that through a number of ways, through our fiscal sponsorship for projects on the contributor side and providing operational services. And then on the community side, it is um, also part of our mission to support the user community. And we do that through educational initiatives, through our events and diversity and inclusion programming. Okay. Can you list some of the most famous projects you support and some smaller ones? Sure. Let's see. Where, where to begin? We, we have 35 projects right now. Um, some of the probably more well-known projects would be NumPy, Pandas, Project Jupiter, Julia, um, Matplotlib. We, and then we also have um, projects, um, Phoenix projects, Stan, Senpai, QuantEcon. I could go on and on. <laughs> Uh, the NumFocus website presents sponsored and affiliated projects as different categories. What are the difference between sponsored project and affiliated projects? So sponsored projects are those that are fiscally sponsored. So those projects are part of NumFocus's, NumFocus is their legal entity. So um, we provide additional service to those projects through that, that legal connection or relationship, in addition to those that are given to our affiliated projects. 
Okay, so you mean the sponsored project are kind of integrated within the structure of NumFocus and the affiliated project are like much or kind of satellite project with support from NumFocus? Is that it? So our sponsored projects are fiscally sponsored. So um, we've signed a legal agreement, a fiscal sponsorship agreement with these projects and NumFocus is their legal entity. And our affiliated projects are also associated with NumFocus, but they're associated in a way that we um, are able to promote them and they could take advantage of some funding opportunities, but they do not have the same um, legal connection, nor they do not receive the same, the same levels of services. Okay. Is there advantages of staying only affiliated instead of being completely sponsored? They just um, do not need the NumFocus to serve as their legal entity. They're not large enough um, where they're having a lot of funding coming in that needs to be managed, or they have a different system or format for their internal project management, but as well as their broader organizational management. Um, Usually, it's a case of projects being very small and want to have the association with NumFocus and are wanting to build. We have many of our projects that move from affiliated staff um, and then apply and become sponsored projects. Okay. And including the support you provide for the organization, you provide legal support. What kind of legal challenge scientific open source project do you have to face? There are quite a few. I spend a great deal of time working with our team of attorneys. There are um, on a very, I guess on the basic level, there are contracts. So lots of contractual agreements that um, need to be signed and drafted. Um, We have templates from our attorney that we're able to use for independent contractor agreements, but many times there um, there are special circumstances which we need to contact the attorneys for. There are many other um, agreements and arrangements. We also provide help with reviewing employer agreements so our contributors are able to make sure they're able to still um, you know be employed by a company but also continue contributing to the project trademarks projects registering trademarks applications can be very tricky especially um, with some of the names of the projects and so um, that can be challenging we um, work with trademark attorneys and then there are also licensing questions that come up that we're able to um, get them the counsel they need on um, just clarifying or being able to make decisions related to licensing Okay. So what kind of financial support do you provide? We provide financial support um, in a couple ways for our projects. So, and I should make it clear too that um, our we do not um, totally fund our project. So that's the mission of NumFocus isn't to um, to make sure our projects have funding that's coming directly from NumFocus. Now we do directly fund projects through our small development grant program. So we're able to um, this 
year 2020, we're offering 150,000 in small development grants to projects. So these are for small things that a project may not need to um, submit a full grant proposal. They may need um, work done on documentation. They may need some work done on their website. There may be a few hours or a number of hours they're wanting to pay someone, probably more than a few, for, um, for development work for a particular feature. So our small development grant program is one way that we help provide funding. And we have three cycles of those grants a year where we um, projects are able to submit proposals. That's open to both affiliated and sponsored projects. And then we also um, help with grant management. So all grants coming into our projects come through NumFocus. So there is a lot of um, management and administration um, you know, on, on that side as well. And then corporate sponsorships. Many of our corporate sponsors um, have donate to NumFocus and those donations are restricted for project use. So that goes right into our specific projects accounts and we're able to um, encourage those donations as well as to manage that funding. Okay. Are you allowed to let us know the maximum amount of money a small project can apply for these kind of grants? For our small development grants, um, currently they're capped at 5,000. So we may be able to offer like um, 12, you know, 10 to 12 of these small development grants per cycle. So there, um, we have a whole list that you can see on your website of how, on our website of how these small development grants are used. There are just so many different ways that projects use these and um, apply for them. We're, um, we're currently not able to accept all proposals that we receive each cycle, but we're trying to increase the amount of funding that we're able to give through our small development grants. The way these grants are funded is through our individual donations that come into NumFocus, as well as through corporate sponsorships. Okay. So do you assist the NumFocus sponsored projects to apply for larger grants, probably external grants like from the National Science Foundation or other funding agencies? We do. We do help them. Not so much with completely with writing their proposal, but um, on the budgeting side, on the budget justification, on making sure um, the way developers are going to be paid, um, making sure that's all possible through NumFocus. If they need a staff member on NumFocus to assist with a certain part of that grant or serve as um personnel or co-PI were available for that also. But yes, we definitely assist with grants as part of our um, grant management program. Okay, so most of the open source projects have international contributors. So if one of the projects gets a small development grant awarded, is it possible to finance or pay developers from outside the U.S.? Or is this money restricted to U.S. citizens or something? No, definitely we're able to pay developers outside the U.S. I would say that the majority of the developers that um, we pay are outside of the U.S. Our, um, our projects, as you can imagine, are, are, are all global and have contributors from all over the world. So, yes. Okay. 
How does the non-focused organization raise funds? Because you have 150,000 for uh, small development grants. Where does that money come from? So we have four main revenue sources, and that is our corporate sponsorships, individual donations, which is growing all the time. We're um, very excited about that and the, the support of the community through those individual donations, events, is the third, and then grants pr from um, private foundation or um, other um, other funders through grants. Okay. Is there different levels of corporate sponsorship? There are. We have four, well, I guess we would call it five levels of corporate sponsorship um, right now. We It starts with the platinum as our highest level, and that's $100,000. Then it goes to, um, we have our gold at 50, silver at 25, bronze at 10, and we have an emerging, emerging leader category for smaller companies that would still like to donate. So those are sponsorships that are under 10,000. And then there are varying benefits for, for each of those. Our platinum and gold sponsors also get a seat on our advisory council. And there's just different levels of, um, we want all of our sponsors to be involved with the organization, but there are different benefit levels um, corresponding to the amounts. Okay. And being a corporate sponsor, does it provide insight or input into uh, where the development grants are going to be attributed to projects or it's more like mostly like an isolated process? Yeah, the corporate sponsors do not have any influence on any way that um, our um, funds are being spent, the way projects use funding, the way our development grants are given. We have community members that serve on a uh, grants review committee for that. So, um, no, they provide input and, and support in ways they can help the organization. But, yeah, they don't have any direct influence on any, any spending. Okay. Good. And what are the motivations for those co uh, corporate sponsors to support open source projects? I think as we see adoption rates continue to rise of um, you know companies using open source projects, um, I think companies are beginning to realize that there is a need to ensure that the projects are supported so they're well maintained and um, new new features are developed. So I think that's that's one reason they do it. I also think that as they learn more about open source, because not all companies fully um, understand open source, but they do see that it's very important and that uh, you know the open source community on a whole is important to these projects. So I think um, they also they want to support that, and I think um, I know our you know non focused sponsors see this as an um, avenue and a way to um, not only support projects individually, but also to support the broader community and, you know, global ecosystem. Okay. Are you able or allowed to share the name of some of the sponsors for NumFocus? Sure. We have, um, we have quite a few. I'm don't, I want to make sure I'm not going to um, leave out, leave out any, but um, we have our, um, at our um, highest level, we have Bloomberg And uh, Microsoft, R Studio, IBM, AWS, um, Facebook is also a sponsor. Two Sigma, Nvidia, and um, Quantum Black. 
And yeah, then we um, have many more. I could, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone doesn't want to hear every one of them, but um, yes, please. We um, go to our website and check out these companies that are providing support and are making a, a huge difference for these, for these projects. Yeah. That, that's still an impressive list. And probably many of our listeners will recognize many of those names. <laughs> As many scientists may not be technical experts, do you also provide technical support in regard to technological infrastructures? So NEMFOCUS doesn't um, provide any technical direction. We leave that all up to um, project leaders and I guess, depending on their governance structures, um, that's all, all the technical direction is through there. But what we do provide to support the internal project communities is we provide some digital infrastructure. So we're able to make sure they have a Zoom account or a, a similar communication um, forum for that, that they have, um, they're able to get nonprofit Slack accounts. They have G Suite accounts and all our projects have team drives. So providing some digital infrastructure to, um, to support their internal communities, we, we are able to do that. Okay. It is also mentioned that you provide support to plan events and conferences. Can you name a few events previously supported by your organization? Yes, yeah, so um, you may be familiar with the PyData conference series as well as um, PyData meetups all over the world. Those are um, those are NumFocus events, and we've been working with the PyData events since their beginning in 2013 was the first one or 2012 that NumFocus helped with, and then we um, took over managing PyData conferences. And um, so that's that's one of the largest ones. And then we also are specific project events that we provide different levels and degrees of um, help and financial management with JupyterCon and JuliaCon, all the all the cons, <laughs> StanCon, as well as um, you know, Python and astronomy and um, different, like I said, there's there's many project events that we also help with. Okay, so what kind of support do you provide? Do you help only for planning this event or do you provide financial support to these events? We provide support on a varying degree. It would, um, it really depends on what the project is needing. They may say, we don't want to mess with any of the financial admin, the registration, you know, reimbursing folks that can be very time consuming and um, many project contributors and maintainers um, just, you know, do not have time to do that. So we'll help with those aspects of an event. Um, with PyData events, um, we work with local regional committees, but you know we provide the websites. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible. So the local organizing committees, which many times include project contributors, are able to um, focus on the programs and um, making sure that the, the you know, community outreach, And tasks like that. But then we also support, you know, we provide support for um, scholarships for diversity and inclusion and underrepresented groups for SciPy and um, EuroSciPy for events like that. Okay. If a project is looking for your services, what are the requirements do you, that you have to support a project? 
Well, all of the projects that NEMFOCUS supports, whether it's through our sponsored or affiliated programs, we want them, we want to make sure that they're scientifically oriented. And that would mean that they contribute to the advancement of scientific research in in some way, that they're open, that the project is published under a standard open source license, and that having ongoing engagement with the public is is part of the project development, having contributor guidelines and clear documentation. Then we also, well, and let me back up one second. Um, Regarding openness for our fiscally sponsored projects, then we also require that they have a publicly visible governance structure. So um, someone can go to their repository and be able to clearly see their decision-making process and um, their governance model, that they also have a roadmap that is outlining their high-priority areas. And then the third requirement is being kind. And that's very important to NumFocus. We want to make sure that the project is actively working on making their community friendly and inclusive and that they're respectful of each participant and, and all contributors. And we can um, we make sure each project has a code of conduct, and if they don't, they can choose to adopt the NumFocus model. Okay. For your first criteria, how do you find what is contributing to science? Uh, do you have a scientific advisors to evaluate the scientific values of project and their contrib- or their contribution? I guess the, what what are the specific criteria for for that? It and I again, it seems very broad. Be you know, be scientifically oriented. I um, I understand your um, question on that. What we um, we want to make sure that the project is either enables some new uh, a new research challenge to be addressed, or that they're making addressing that research challenge um, easy. Are they making it um, faster? Are they simplifying that? And it may mean that um, often these projects have dependencies or integrations with non-focus projects that are already existing. And this, and it may be, um, you know, usually our projects are a community that's maintaining a software package, but there um, may also be projects that are providing an educational um, educational advantage for projects for projects and scientific research. Um, we have um, open journals um, and quant econ that are both um, providing as, you know, providing educational materials. So there are, um, you know, there's different ways that you can be scientifically oriented. And within the project that you support, is there a balance between software for fundamental science versus more applied science? Or is it not a consideration? Um, I think the the only consideration is that because we, you know, we're dealing with scientific tools and that's what we support, that more general pers- purpose projects, um, you know, IDEs, utilities, build systems and things like that would not be would not be a good fit. Okay. You previously talked about the team size in regard to sponsored project versus affiliated project. Is there a limit on the team size? What are the approximate team size for both kind of projects? 
We don't have a specific number in mind, but I I can tell you that if a project, if, if there's a single contributor, um, we have quite a few projects that apply to NumFocus for both affiliated status as well as uh, sponsored projects. And having one contributor is um, we're, we're not able to sponsor those projects um, Two also um, wouldn't, wouldn't be accepted. And again, the reason behind that goes back to that decision-making process that we have to make sure there's a clear decision-making process that the project isn't being um, governed by um, all the contributors being at one institution, that it's very open. And we feel like that, that can't happen with a project that only has you know, one or two contributors. So if there are maybe four or five main contributors that do the majority of the um, contributions, but then there are also many others that are contributing um you know, not quite as much, but on a regular basis, then that would be fine. So we try not to um, use a set number, but as the board is reviewing applications, it is it, it is considered if the project is able to be open and work within a governance model. Okay, it's more a matter of health of the project and diversity within the, the government, governance of the project itself. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, so we spoke a lot about applications. So could you uh, elaborate on the application process to become a NAM-focused, sponsored or supported project? Sure. So um, the application process um, is is really pretty simple and straightforward. On the website, there's a um, you can click on the button um, and there is an application form that you can fill out. The, um, the form is filled out. We have quarterly um, application cycles and um, you can submit the dates or on the website and um, you fill out the application. We're also, um, we encourage projects that are considering um, especially sponsored project status to email us. Um, I am happy to set up a phone call to discuss fiscal sponsorship to see if it's a good match um, and a good fit for a project at um you know, a particular time in the project's growth cycle. Um, sometimes it makes more sense than others. So we're happy to have those conversations up front before an application, but the application process is, itself is um, just filling out the application online and um, making sure it's within one of those, um, within or before one of the deadlines. Okay, so if a project gets accepted, how long is this project funded? Is it funded for a few years, for a lifetime, or how does this work? There is no ending date. So a project is able to, um, you know, if they want to leave NumFocus, they're able to do that. But there is no, um, in our agreements with projects, there's no um, set term or termination date. Okay, so if a project submits the application, what is the time frame to get a response? And if there is a positive response, how long does it take until the project can use the services provided by NumFocus? So we have the quarterly application cycle. So some of that depends on where where you submit within, within the quarter. Um, usually there is approximately six weeks, and I'm not looking at a calendar right now, but um, about a six weeks time period if you from the date that applications are due before notifications are sent out. 
And if a project is accepted, um, we do have an on- onboarding process that we do. Um, we want to make sure we get all the project's information for the website, set up the financial structure that's going to support that project. And then we have an onboarding call with all the NEMFOCUS staff. So they're able to associate a name with a face and be able to ask questions. Um, we send them a packet with lots of information, a letter, a welcome letter, and it gives them an opportunity to be able to um, ask questions about the policies and procedures that we have in place. So that that's usually another um, couple of weeks. Um, we try not to have that drag on too long. It can take up to four weeks just to make sure everyone's together. Also, during that time, um, the fiscal sponsorship actual agreement is signed and for a sponsored project um, that requires five uh, five signatories from the projects that um, with no more than two being at one institution. Okay. And for projects that were not selected, do you provide feedback so that they can improve their structure or their governance over time? We do. We um, let them know exactly why their application wasn't accepted. And if we think it's just that um, NEMFOCUS might not be the right fit for this project, if we can refer them to other fiscal sponsors, we do that. If it's an issue of needing you know, changes or additions to their government model, or they just don't have a code of conduct or, you know, something like that. We definitely um, provide input and have do have projects that, um, that resubmit. Okay, good. Okay, so we all know that there's no free lunch. So is there a downside of becoming part of CNAM Focus organization? Um, I can't think of any downside. Um, I mean, we're here to support projects. And so we work really hard um, to make sure that we're taking care of all types of operational details and help support the project so they can focus on the code. I, you know, not every project can become a non-focused project. And I think that, you know, it does have to be a good fit. We aren't, um, We aren't a huge corporation. You know, NEMFOCUS has a small staff of eight and we we work really hard to provide all of the services that we do. Um, but you're, um, again, if you're looking for a, uh, a level of, um, you know, a huge corporation behind you, then of course, NEMFOCUS isn't going to be um, that organization where community organization and, um, Like I said, we we work very hard. I, I can't think of a um, any downside. Okay, so if a project gets selected, so is there any administrative burden for the developers? Do they have to write reports to NAMFOCUS, how they spend the money or what kind of services they used or what does a project developer have to do in addition Well, um, the project leadership team has to identify representatives that will be working with NEMFOCUS. So usually that's two people. So if we can't get a hold of one, um, there's someone else. And every time a project um, requests funds or an invoice comes in 
or um, from an independent contractor agreement or whether that is an invoice for a service or from a vendor, the project leaders have to approve that. So there is some time involved. Um, we have you know, a place where projects can go on their team drives to be able to approve all those requests. But anytime NumFocus is spending funds that are, you know, are our projects, we um, make sure that that is approved by the project lead. So um, there is, you know, there is a great deal of effort um, depending on how many agreements, how many invoices, how many reimbursements that you have that's that's going on. Okay. You mentioned the size of NumFocus being eight people. Is the management of the organization all done locally? I've seen in your website that you have a, a location in Austin, Texas. Is it like a local office or is it more like a virtual office where you can be anywhere in the world? We have um, two staff members that work remotely. The rest of us are all in Austin. For certain, um, certain parts of the work uh, we do, it makes sense for us to be in, in one location. Um, but like I said, we do have workers that are remote. Everyone is in the U.S., although we probably... the at least half of the work that we do is on a global basis. So um, we work with lots of people that are not, you know, are not on staff with NEMFOCUS, but that are also um, working with us, you know, in, in different capacities. Okay. So let us switch more about details of the NEMFOCUS organization. When was NEMFOCUS founded? NEMFOCUS was founded in 2012, the beginning of 2012. Okay. So is it correct that in the beginning, mainly Python projects were involved? Yes, they were. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the founding board members um, were authors of Python projects. So um, this included NumPy and SciPy and Matplotlib and IPython and AstroPy. But from the very beginning, the board members were um, very insistent that NumFocus would not be, um, ex you know, would not be exclusively Python, that we would be inclusive of all languages. And um, once we started our fiscal sponsorship program, Julia um, also actually came on very early. So, yeah, we, we made sure that we were expanding beyond Python um, very soon. Okay. When did you open for other languages like JavaScript or Julia? Do you know an exact date? I believe uh, Julia came, uh, I think it was 2014, actually. Okay. And is there any reason why you decided to accept JavaScript or Julia, or can any program language apply to become a sponsored project? Yes, if um, we have the requirements that we have, you know, that we've discussed, but um, yes, Any programming language. We also have our OpenSci stand. So we've got, you know, C, we have JavaScript, we've got, you know, Julia, Python. So we have quite a few languages. And, um, you know, that was a goal from, from the beginning. Within the project, that's that, that really a side question. Uh, do you have a favorite project? One that you think is neat and really interesting within all the sponsored projects? 
Oh no, I can I could never choose a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, I love them all. Um, with being with the organization for so long and getting to work with some of the projects that've been with us, you know, since the early days, I've had the wonderful opportunity of getting to know um, contributors and many project leaders and maintainers. And um, they're all wonderful. I can say that the NumFocus project community is, um, it's just phenomenal. Not only are they doing um, incredible work, but they're also, it's made up of incredible individuals. So I could definitely not choose one. (laughs) Yeah, fair answer. You got involved in the NumFocus organization since its inception in 2012. Were you an executive director straight from the start or you had a different position back then? At the at the very beginning, um, my, my title was administrator. I think um, we were just starting the organization and I think we really weren't sure what was the best title. And then after a year or two, I think the the roles that um, that I was taking on in my position, it was clear that the role of executive director is what I was doing. So administrator, executive director. Okay, so the kind of the organization form then over time, the description got more and more specific and like it defined itself. Yes, I would definitely say the the position grew with the organization, the um the level of work and the um responsibility, you know, for for the work the organization was doing from the very beginning um definitely was hugely different from um the work that we were doing, you know, even two, three and now, you know, eight years later. Okay. Is there a term length uh, for the board of directors, for a position in the board of directors? Or is it like open mandate until someone retires from the board of directors? There are two-year terms in our bylaws for the, um, the members of the board. But after their two-year term, they have the option of renewing for an additional two years. So um, it is up to them if they want to, like I said, renew their term or whether um, they want to just serve a two-year term. Okay. And how do you select members for the board of directors? We take nominations from the current board of directors as well as from the public, from the community at large. And once those recommendations are made, then uh, there is a election of sorts. And I'm saying of sorts because um, what it is, we have the NEMFOCUS um, stakeholders, um, the community members um, that, you know, our stakeholders that have had involvement with NEMFOCUS are um, able to vote and make a recommendation to the board of who they would like to see as board members. The board does have the final decision on that. They want to make sure that as with our projects, we don't want multiple board members from the same organization or institution. So if um, there was a recommendation made from the community and, you know, three people happen to be from the same company or from the same university or something like that, the board would have to alter that decision. Okay. Now I would like to switch to a slightly lighter topic. What is your vision about FLOSS and its importance for the openness of science? I think the open source community has become an integral part of scientific discovery and that without this community, the innovation that's happening around the world um, would not be happening both at the, at the rate and it would not have, it would not have such a broad community behind it. 
So I, yeah, I think it's hugely important. Okay. On the other hand, do you think that using floss can have negative impacts on science? I don't. Um, I've, I've thought about that in the past. Someone has um, asked this question and I don't, I, I do not, I don't see any negative impacts on it. Okay, so we're almost done with the interview and we'll proceed with some of our classic quick question. We ask these to all of our interviewees, whatever, whatever their background might be. In recent years, what do you think was the most notable scientific discovery? I would have to say the LIGO gravitational wave discovery, not, not only because it further confirmed his theory of relativity, but because four non-focus projects um, were used in that discovery. And um, we, were, we were very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, what is your favorite text processing tool, if you have one? <laughs> Well, since I'm not a programmer, I um, I don't use text processing tools a whole lot. I probably use word processing tools more than text processing. But um, I have listened to several talks that were given at events on Spacey, and I was very impressed with with that tool. Okay, so uh, Spacey, what is that? Yeah, it's uh, S P A C Y. Yeah, we'll add it to the show notes so that listeners could look it up because i've never heard of that tool before and finally is there a topic in science about which you recently changed your mind about not um i'm trying to think i don't think so the only um the only thing i'm not sure it's changing my mind but maybe expanding my knowledge related to um astronomy on there's just so much out there that um we're able to see and hear and take advantage of the um you know the black hole photographs and things like that so i think um not so much changing my mind but um expanding anything that um i had thought of before i definitely definitely think that, you know, with the, um, you know, gravitational wave discovery with the photographs of the black hole and, you know, um, just I, expanding our whole understanding of, of the cosmos is, um, is, is all very exciting. Yeah, it's a great endeavor. Okay. Is there anything else we forgot to ask you or that we should have known to ask you about or anything else you would like to share with us? I mentioned the NEMFOCUS staff and um, mentioned the board of directors. And I want to say, you know, what a wonderful internal community that we have at NEMFOCUS, our board of directors, the, you know, the leadership they provide and their time. They're all volunteers. We have an incredible staff that works very long hours with always our focus on how we can better um, serve the projects and their user communities and our advisory council. We have an advisory council of folks that have um, varied levels of expertise and knowledge that are um, are also volunteering their time to um, help us to you know provide suggestions and their um, their insight and um, feedback they provide is extremely valuable. So just wanting to acknowledge the incredible community that we have internally. Thank you, Leah, for your time in this interview. For our listeners, what is the best way to contact you? They can contact me. I'm 
I'm on Slack, but um, feel free to email me at Leah, L-E-A-H, at numfocus.org. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This will be all for today's episode of the Philosopher Science Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview. You can reach me on Twitter at DLPK. And you can reach me at underscore DBRAS or both of us at Philosopher Science. Also, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and YouTube. You can help us by recommending our show to your friends and colleagues. Our website is located at philosopherscience.com, where you can find all of our contact information and a link to our GitHub page where you can submit subject ideas for future episodes. You can also listen to our previous episodes or find our RSS feed to get all of our interviews delivered directly to your favorite podcast player. Our current schedule is to release an episode on the first Wednesday of every month, but to the current crisis, we may have some delays. This was the second to last episode of our series about the Python ecosystem, and we will finish next month with the Python setup tools. After that, we're planning episodes about SPAC, a flexible package manager, and a deep dive into GNU licenses for scientific applications. We hope you enjoyed the show and that we will see you all in our next episode. Stay safe and well. Bye. Bye.